Sleigh bells ring Are you listening? In the lane Snow is glistening A beautiful sight We're happy tonight Walking in a winter wonderland Hi, this is Cole Moon and welcome to the Holiday Moons podcast where we share our love for the holidays with you year-round. This is Randy and I will be sharing some rather odd winter sports. This is Sydney and I will be sharing some winter hobbies. And this is Beth and I will be talking about Groundhog Day. Alright, so this has been an odd weather week. For January yes. in Northern Virginia. Yes. Why would you say it was odd? Oh my gosh. It is supposed to be cold and snowy out. And it. I think yesterday was close to 70. It was over 70. Degrees. Right. But just crazy. like a week ago, we had crazy snow. Right. Yes. So it was. it's warm. So you kind of get... It's nice in a way. I mean, because, you know, it's warmer. You can go outside. But it's not what it's supposed to be. No. Feels no, like spring. Yeah, the weather was so nice today that I wanted to go take a hike. And I went over to one of the hiking trails that's close to us and I couldn't do it. There all the parking was taken. Mm. It was packed. So people taking advantage of that nice weather. Right. Um, Mom and Dad, you went to get the car wash and you said yes. that there was a very long line. Yes, <laughs> there was a huge line yeah. for the car wash. Yeah. It also um, it's a good weekend to take down outside True. Christmas things, That's if true. you want to do that sort of thing. Um, but it is uh, just feels too warm. Yep. Um, it's nice because the bugs haven't come out yet. Oh, no. So. I, I saw a wasp and I had to kill a spider in my car. So, no. Oh, oh. my goodness. <laughs> in your car, that's, that's nasty. Yeah. But the nice thing is you can't open windows and let the cats look out of the windows. Right. The screens. I mean, they're screen windows. <laughs> we are recording this kind of on the early side of mid-January. Right. Right. And Beth and I went to a grocery store today. And what did we see? The first thing I saw was a display, a small display of um, St. Patrick's Day green items. Wait, really? Yes. That's two months and five days from now. Yeah. Really? And next to it was an Easter half hour. Yeah. (laughs) Which was around the corner from Valentine's Day. Yeah. That's so weird. See, in Target, they only have Valentine's Day stuff up right now. So, Easter is three months from today, the day we're recording. So, that wow. would be like us putting out Christmas stuff in, well, the store's having Christmas stuff in the September 25th. Right. Which they generally do. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yes, generally. Oh. So, that yeah. checks out. Yeah, it does. So, what else? Yes. But, it is funny to see multiple months worth of holidays all kind of clustered together in a grocery store in a grocery store (laughs) and it did kind of match you know as far as like you think of the the size of the holidays easter was the biggest one valentine's was pretty big but st patrick's day super small yeah (laughs) but But it was a section it was it was a little section there so very fun so as we continue in our winter themes our winter topics for the year I, um, last year, I talked about some winter festivals, and I don't know if you remember, but part of the winter festivals, they had some pretty odd activities. Like, they had an outhouse race. I don't know if you remember that. I where do remember that. Outhouses were that pulled by ridiculous. horses. Yes. Right. So that made me think, what other weird winter sporting kind of activities are there around the world? And I did find a handful um, that I want to share with you that sounded interesting. So the first one is called... 
skijoring. So this is from the Norwegian word for ski driving. It sounded Norwegian. So this is when a skier is towed by a horse or a dog or some kind of vehicle, like a motorcycle or something like that. And they sometimes will put in the path some jumps and slaloms while being pulled. Hmm. So there's a special harness that they wear, and it's got quick-release buckles if they need them. And they hold on to um, either the harness or they can hold on to, you know, kind of the handle like you use for water skiing. But you can use a fast dog or a horse (laughs) or a car, and it's usually on a level surface. So it's just a snow-covered level surface. You have skis on, you're being pulled really fast. And most of the time it looks like they wear helmets. So this is something that is done in Norway, the United States, and Canada, and Russia. And generally it's max speed is about 50 miles per hour. Oh my goodness. Right. That's fast. So originally it was horse It's a fast dog. <laughs> I know. It depends on, it depends on your steed. Um, originally it was horse-powered and it was uh, created in Alaska and Scandinavia. And actually, um, more recently, it's become a sporting way of taking your dog or horse for a walk. <laughs> Which I think is funny. <laughs> you have to have a pretty sporting big dog. Sporting for whom? <laughs> yeah, that's right. The second one is called Yukigasen. Yukigasen? Yep, Yukigasen, which is Japanese for snow battle. Oh. So this is taking snowball fights to a, a professional level of warfare. So there's two teams, and I think paintball. So they have a, a small court that has obstacles in it where you can hide behind things, that sort of thing. And the two teams battle against each other. There's seven players on a team. Each player is given 90 snowballs. So the goal of the game is to catch the opponent's flag um, and bring it back. Well, actually, I think you just have to catch it. And players are eliminated when they're hit by a snowball. So okay. it doesn't take a lot to get eliminated. So how many players does it say? Seven on each team. Seven on each team. That's yep. what we already said. That. Seven on each team. Played in Japan, Finland, Norway, Alaska, and Canada. doesn't look like it's caught on. In the United States yet, although it seems like it would be an easy Alaska. thing to do. You could just convert your paintball courts to... Right. Not caught on in the, uh, the continental United yes. States. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a lot of snowballs to give someone. 90 snowballs for 14 people. No, 90 each for 14... So what is... How many snowballs are all together? Wait, Somebody wait, how big are the snowballs? So they use them like instead of paintballs? Yeah, they're regular size snowballs. They're regular size snowballs. So how did they carry all of them? They didn't say. Oh. There may just be like a pile that each okay. person gets. So that's 1,260 snowballs for 14, 14 people. Oh, for both teams. Mm-hmm. For 14 people. Yep. That's still... That's a ton! That didn't seem like a lot to me. Like when you play paintball, you have, I don't know, hundreds of paintballs each. Because you're shooting a bunch, but... Yeah, but you can carry all of those on yes, you generally. You can. Generally, Interesting. Right. Okay, yep. that is an interesting one. Okay, the next one, both of those, you can say, okay, I can kind of see those. So the next one is either shovel or walk, W-O-K, racing. So I don't know if you've ever gone into your... You're going to race on a walk? <laughs> your, your garage, and you saw your shovel, and you thought, hmm, I think maybe I'll use that for my sled. Or I never you look have, at your walk and think, oh, that walk's big enough to hold me. The walk is unusual. <laughs> the sled, the, the shovel at least makes a little more sense to me. So this is big in... So could you describe what a walk is? A walk is something that you cook in. It's, I wouldn't think it would be big enough to hold a person, but it's concave. 
Yeah. And it's round, concave, and... It's kind of shallow. It's not deep. It's right. shallow. And you use it to cook stir-fry, a lot of stir-fry foods in. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're, you, you're going you're gonna to go down a hill in a pan. Right. Yes. Or a shovel. Right. Or on the, you know, the, the flat part of the shovel. Right. Yes. So this is really big in Austria and Germany. You can reach speeds up to 65 miles per hour in your little walk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it was actually developed by a German TV host named Stefan Raab. Raab and he created um, this as a way to do some crazy fun games yeah. during the winter. He is correct. Yes. Um, so they actually have... Uh, if you think of like Winter Olympics, where they have the pathways, the luge, and skeleton pathways, right. so they have that kind of pathway going down a steep hill with oh. lots of turns and things like that. Shovel racing actually was once in the Winter X Games, but was removed actually due to safety concerns. So you think about <laughs> the X Games and how crazy they are. So you know it's it's pretty crazy if they got removed from the from the X Games. So a lot of fun. You could go down the hill in a walk. The next one is snow kayaking. Which is crazy because I actually just saw a video earlier today of a bunch of people snow kayaking. Really? Yep. And it um, did not look safe. (laughs) Now, in this case, you don't get as fast as you do with the walk racing. Walk racing was 65 miles per hour. This is more like 40 miles per hour. But you're in a kayak and you're using your paddle, basically, to steer yourself down a hill. So you're not making quick turns. So is it a path? That's already been no, done. It, the ones I saw are generally just flat slopes, almost like a ski slope. Just oh, flat slope slopes. They gotcha. might have some bumps and things in them, but you know you don't. You're not okay. So it's not like tubing. Ste- yes, it's like tubing. So Except there's not a lot of steering to it. Uh, it's mostly just going straight down the hill. So yeah, I, would I think could, there'd be some danger involved in that. I mean, yeah, spinning would be a danger. Yeah, turning the wrong way. That's definitely true. If you're going 40 miles an hour and your kayak is spinning around, you're not going to be able to do much about it, I think, with a paddle, don't you think? Right. No, that's true. <laughs> yeah, the pa- I don't think the paddle's going to, especially depending how that's why the slope un- is. Yeah, that's why it's an unusual sport. That's right. Right, that's true. Yeah. So another one that I found was called snow surfing. So this is basically those surfboards that have a sail on them, except they put a couple, like they put two runners on the back and a runner on the front, so you have like this... Uh, skis, short skis on the front and the back of your surfboard, and then you use the wind to surf across ice, huh. you know, ice lakes or large snow areas. So that seems to be a popular sport in a number of places that have big fields like that. So another one I found is called ice blocking. So this is where you have a block of ice and you use that block of ice to propel you down a, a slope while you're sitting on top of the block of ice. Sounds very cold. <laughs> it does sound very cold. So this is the kind of where you, sport where you actually don't have to be in a winter location to play it because you bring your block of ice with you. <laughs> and some people will place a burlap piece of fabric over the ice kind of as a crude seat, or they might freeze a rope handle into the block of ice that you can hold on during the uh, descent. Good idea. Mm-hmm. This is popular on college campuses, as one might expect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, not a lot of equipment needed, just a big block of ice and a hill that you can um, you can go, go down. Go down, yeah. Yes. And there are a, a lot of other ones that have actually been incorporated into some of the X Games and things like that. The last one I'll mention, though, is a popular sport in Switzerland called the Cresta Run. And this has um, 
a lot of warnings associated with it. You're on basically a very small sled and you're doing about 80 miles per hour around turns. So this was invented by a group of intoxicated Brits during the winters of the early 1870s. Oh my goodness. It's an old school sport where participants charge headfirst down a natural ice skeleton racing track, but on a toboggan, using only spikes on their boots to brake and steer. So this has become very popular in Switzerland, but it is not um, encouraged if you're an amateur to go down the, the tracks. Because well, how do you very, become professional if you don't do I think you uh, go down um, smaller tracks. <laughs> oh, okay. Like A lot of the tracks are big, big professional tracks. You're going 80 miles per hour. And you have a sled that's about, I don't know, three feet long, maybe? Looking at the picture, you're actually, you're laying on your stomach. Yeah, you're on your stomach. So that, that's weird. And then you're like kind of holding on to this small sled out in front of you. Yes. And so and then... your knees, the back of you, your knees are actually bouncing on and off the ice. Right. That's what you're using your legs and your knees to help you steer around the turns and... Uh, I can see why it was invented by intoxicated yes, people. Yes, right. And continued on by the Swiss. <laughs> Thanks, Swiss. Yes. So those are some fun uh, winter sports that uh, you can maybe take up in your backyard or in the neighborhood. <laughs> Certainly if you the, do, let us know. The walk run and the shovel run yeah. is something that you can um, participate in. So just some fun things to think about for your winter season <laughs> Although not right now because here it's pretty warm. It is. Yeah, you need snow or something. Yeah, you need snow or ice. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that's awesome outdoor stuff that you can do. But if you are like us, where if we have a big snowstorm, we tend to stay inside with a hot cup of cocoa or watching the snow from inside the house. My personal favorites. Yes. Both the cocoa and the watching. But if you were one to get bored pretty quickly with just staying and chilling in the house, here are some uh, fun things to do or hobbies to pick up when you're stuck inside during the winter. One thing to do is to paint. Pull out your painting stuff. Now granted, you'd have to have the painting stuff. You can just are you talking about painting walls or painting pictures? Pictures. Okay. Yes. But you can also redecorate the inside of your house. True. <laughs> you can also plan your summer vacation. So thinking to That's the future true. when there is no snow. You can take a nap. You can have a pajama day. Take a luxurious bath. Your PJ day your... would be fun for, with binge watching. Right. right. Pick a yeah. show. Uh, make some tea. Catch up with family and friends. Make a variety of food. <laughs> That's good. And another interesting thing to do or a hobby to have is home automation. So this has a picture of, I believe, Amazon Echo with your smartphone. And this is basically going and making your house completely automated. Well, that's fun. Yeah. So that's interesting. You have the DIY. So if you have the materials already, you can make something in the house while it is snowing outside. You can cook you can bake, you can do yoga, you can blog. This says virtual reality. I don't have anything regarding virtual reality, but you know, if that is your hobby, such as coins, miniature figure painting, all that cool stuff that you may not have time for during the week, now's the time to enjoy and pick it up. I always look at the winter season prior to um, you know, Easter, March, you know, kind of that January, February weekends as a time to do some things that I haven't had a chance to do because I'm too busy because I can go outside and do things. It's lighter out in the evenings. In the wintertime, dark in the evenings, 
I tend to want to stay indoors and do things indoors. So whether that's hobbies or reading more or, you know, clearing up clutter somewhere, whatever it may be, those weekends are kind of good weekends to do that because there's less activity going on other places right. in my right. life. And I believe um, you pulled out one of your, at least one of your puzzles. That's right. To do. Yeah. That's yeah. what I was thinking too. That yeah. He's been working on a puzzle and he has, I think, four more new puzzles to go from Christmas. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we have a friend who, um, Trish, whose husband Eric is making her a puzzle board so that she can move her puzzle from here to there. Like if they're having guests over, they can move it from the central area that they do a lot of their right. living, I guess you'd call it, over to the dining room. Right. Without destroying it. Yeah. Yeah. Because so that we, sounds like fun. We put our puzzle table where the tree was. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a ready-made spot yep. until we move things around for the spring. And in right. that configuration of our furniture, it's really not a good place for the puzzle right. table. But in this one, where the tree was, we can do that for a couple months anyways. I know one of the things that I have not done, but that I have things over there to do that I started looking at, is calligraphy. Yes. I've always been interested in doing it. And so I got some different pens and ink and books to help me learn how. So that's something I would like to do. I've read more this winter uh, because I've got a bunch of Disney, Disney history books, yep. that sort of thing. So it's also kind of nice on weekends or weekday evenings when it's right. dark out. Kind of feel like a quieter activity that you can take part of. Right. Yeah, definitely. Another thing you can do is do research. <laughs> That's so true, <laughs> like for a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. So, speaking of research, I've really enjoyed researching for this podcast. I've learned a lot, and it's been a wild ride. I'm talking (laughs) today about groundhogs. So, before I start relaying some of the research that I found, I thought we would have a short little game with the family. For this first question, you're going to choose all that apply. Wait till I'm done reading the whole thing, and then you can give me your answers. Groundhogs are A, woodchucks, B, marmots, C, whistle pigs, and D, rodents. So we have to choose one? Choose all that apply. Uh, first and last. Okay, so Sydney says woodchucks and rodents. I'm going to say all of the above. Okay. I'm going to say first three. Okay, so Cole said woodchucks, marmots, and whistle pigs. And Randy said woodchucks, marmots, whistle pigs. You know what? I'm going to say the first. First one and the third one. I don't think they're marmots. Okay. So Cole says woodchucks and whistle pigs. Mm-hmm. All right. And Randy says all four, which were woodchucks, marmots, whistle pigs, rodents. They're all four. Isn't that funny? No, because I'm correct. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was funny. In the wild, groundhogs usually live A, two to three years, B, four to five years, C, six to seven years. I pick D, underground. <laughs> no, how long they live. I know. <laughs> um, they usually live. Four, what, what were the options? Two to three years, four to five years, six to seven years. I'll go with four to five. Six I'll to go seven. with two to three. Okay, Cole did two to three, Randy did four to five, Cindy did six to seven. Cole is correct, it's two to three. Mm-hmm. And I got my information from farmersalmanac.com and history.com. So if anybody thinks that these are wrong... Feel free to let us know. And we'll feel free to let 
Farmer's Almanac. Or and... you can feel free to let Farmer's Almanac know. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's true. They can let Farmer's Almanac know. Okay. Groundhogs are typically 12 to 16 inches long, 16 to 26 inches long, or 26 to 36 inches long. It the is f- A, B, and C. The first one, A. Okay, so Cole says 12 to 16 inches long. B. Sydney says 16 to 26 inches long. C. And he says 26 to 36 inches long. Okay. It is B. Sydney is correct. It is 16 to 26 inches long. Cray cray. The average groundhog, when digging its burrow, can move approximately A, 300 pounds of dirt, B, 500 pounds of dirt, C, 700 pounds of dirt. C. 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 You all saw correctly. (laughs) That was pun. That was punny. Yes, it is C. Groundhog burrows can be up to A, 26 feet long. And these are on average. A, 26 feet long. B, 46 feet long. C, 66 feet long. B. I just said B. Okay. And 46 feet long is correct. Finally... Groundhog Day was brought to Pennsylvania in the 18th and 19th century by A, the Irish, B, the Scots, C, the Germans. B, the Scots. What was it again? A, the Irish, B, the Scots, C, the Germans. Thinking either Irish or Scots. You know what? I'm going to say Irish. I'll say German. Okay. It is. We each have one from each, and it is the Germans. However, they used hedgehogs, but that's coming up. That's another, oh. that's another little bit of information that's hedgehogs, coming up. Hedgehogs, you say? I said hedgehogs. Groundhog Day is midway between the winter solstice and the spring equinox on February 2nd. It's significant in several ancient and modern traditions. So the ancient Celts celebrated it as Imbolc, a pagan festival that marked the beginning of spring. So Cole, Cole was partly, not, not necessarily with the groundhog, but some right. of the traditions. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. As Christianity spread throughout Europe, Imbolc evolved into Candlemas, which ended up being a feast commemorating the presentation of Jesus at the Holy Temple in Jerusalem. And in certain parts of Europe, Christians believed that a sunny Candlemas meant another 40 days of cold and snow. So the first Groundhog Day, let's go on to the first Groundhog Day, and then I'll go back to some information about groundhogs. So the first official Groundhog Day... Celebration took place on February 2nd, 1887 in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Punxsutawney Phil, the name of the groundhog, is a very famous groundhog, maybe even more famous by the movie. That really helped it um, get on the map as far as... The Groundhog Day movie with Bill Murray. Correct. As far as their little town, their groundhog. But this was actually the first official Groundhog Day. So a local newspaper editor named Clymer Freeze convinced a group of businessmen and groundhog hunters known as the Punxsutawney Groundhog Club on the idea of an official Groundhog Day. So the men would go to a site called Gobbler's Knob, which they still go to, where the groundhog became the bearer of the bad news when he saw a shadow or the good news if he didn't see a shadow. So today, it's a yearly festival in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, and it's presided by a group of local dignitaries known as the Inner Circle. Its members wear top hats and conduct official proceedings in the Pennsylvania Dutch dialect. And they supposedly speak to the groundhog in groundhog ease. 
(laughs) (laughs) Only they can hear that. I think they whisper to them. But this is interesting. So every February 2nd, tens of thousands of spectators attend Groundhog Day events in Punxsutawney. So Punxsutawney is the home to 6,000 people. 6,000 people and tens of thousands come for this celebration. That is, think of how inundated that is. That's like crazy. Mm-hmm. And then Groundhog Day was the 1993 film that put it on the map. But interestingly, it was actually shot in Woodstock, Illinois. So lots of just fun, interesting Groundhog Day info there. I have a few interesting things about groundhogs themselves that I found interesting. Groundhogs have two coats of fur, a thick, woolly, gray undercoat, and a longer coat of silky, brownish hair, which helps to keep them warm throughout the year. Now, if you look at a groundhog, I was looking at pictures of a groundhog, I would not look at that groundhog and think, wow, his hair looks silky, (laughs) or his fur looks silky, right? But apparently... It is. The outer coat is silky. So, awesome. (laughs) Groundhogs prefer to eat wild grasses, leaves, berries, and food crops. So, if you have, if you're in an area that has groundhogs and you have a garden, you may know this already. Hence why there were groundhog hunters. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) They'll also occasionally eat nuts, insects, grubs, snails, and other. Very small animals. Okay, so we heard that that Groundhog Day was brought to Pennsylvania in the 18th and 19th centuries by Germans. And it was very interesting because a lot of Germans settled in Pennsylvania, which is why it makes a lot of sense that they would bring their customs also with them from Germany. A lot of our Christmas customs came from Germans who migrated from Germany. And they bring those customs with Mm -hmm. them. So, they, the weather-predicting groundhog actually was a hedgehog over in Germany. And hedgehogs, while you can get them now, are not native to Pennsylvania. But groundhogs are. Close enough, groundhog became but a it. a hedgehog is much smaller than a groundhog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And prickly. Yeah, no silky fur. Mm-mm. So I wonder why but also, they thought they were as trustworthy as hedgehogs. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. I feel like hedgehogs are a lot more cooperative, too, than groundhogs <laughs> Seems are. Seems like they would be, yeah. I think, I think it was probably any, like a, a smallish rodent kind of animal. On the farm. Mm-hmm. Could have been a mouse. Could have been a rat. Yeah, I don't think so. No? No. Stray I think dog. It needs to, yeah. Punxsutawney <laughs> Phil is, seems to be... They like something with hog in the name. <laughs> it maybe needs to be something that hibernates, right? That's true. So, yeah. couldn't it just be a cow? A cow's not a rodent. But they don't hibernate either. (laughs) All right. Those are a couple of great points. (laughs) Very, very interesting thoughts going around the table here. There are actually more weather forecasting groundhogs in North America besides Punxsutawney Phil in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. So I have found in this list eight others in the U.S. So I'm going to name the other U.S. groundhogs because I feel like they need to at least be said somewhere. So we have Staten Island Chuck in New York City. (laughs) We have General Beauregard Lee in Atlanta, Georgia. We have Malvern Mel and Melissa in Malvern, New York. We have Sir Walter Wally in Riley, North Carolina. (laughs) We have Pardon Me Pete in Tampa, Florida. We have 
Jimmy the Groundhog in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. Octore. This is. I'm not sure how to say this. Octorare. Octororo. Octororo Orphe in Quarryville, Pennsylvania. And Holtzville Howe in Suffolk County, Long Island, New York. Wow, a lot of East Coast. The only non-East Coast groundhog is the Wisconsin one. Jimmy the Groundhog. And he was a basically, basic named, has groundhog right there. <laughs> no Sir Walter Wally. <laughs> well, so, few are Sir Walter Wally. <laughs> so, do they have these groundhogs? To use instead of Punxsutawney? Yeah, I, they're, they're weather forecasting ground. Because so, weather for, forecasting is regional. So, you know, our region might not get as much snow or early spring or winter, but really? theirs might. Yeah. So, it was first Punxsutawney and then it branched out and people yes. decided Yeah, the first one was yeah. Punxsutawney. That is hilarious. I yes. had no idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Punxsutawney Phil remains the most famous. Yeah. Yeah. It's like on the Today Show or yeah. Good Morning America. It's right. been on all the national shows. Right. I doubt uh, Jimmy's been on there. Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy the Groundhog. But I, I feel like he's an every man's Now, did you do a statistical comparison on their ability to forecast correctly, because that would be the way to go. That's true. I feel like Jimmy might try harder because <laughs> he's less well known, and he's representing all of the Midwest. Maybe right. he's really into <laughs> stats now, and he's got a better handle on it Maybe than Punxsutawney Phil does. I don't, know. I don't think that Punxsutawney Phil does very good when it comes to forecasting. Yeah, I don't believe he does. Yeah, I think yes. we talked about that last year. That mm-hmm. it was a little bit worse than a weatherman. But not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> For anyone listening, that's a weatherman. That's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> then we also have other groundhogs that forecast weather in Canada and Nova Scotia. Quite a number in Canada, actually. A lot in Ontario. Just like everyone? All the groundhogs in Canada? <laughs> no, it's no. just like a local myth. There's <laughs> they Wharton Willie in Wharton, Ontario. Oh, they're named. Gary the Groundhog in Kleinberg, Ontario. Spanish Joe of Spanish Ontario. Now, does Germany still do hedgehogs, and do you have their names? <laughs> you know, that's just an excellent question. Unfortunately, I don't know that. So, for our German listeners. That's right. Or other countries that do some sort of animal that predicts spring or winter continuing. That's right. Let us know what your little critters are. And, and what, their, what names their names are. are. Yeah. yeah. And how long they've been around. That's right. Do other people know about them, or is it just your family? Right. <laughs> yeah. Is it your clan? Maybe it's a Scottish... Each clan had their own forecasting. <laughs> May, maybe. Our future festivities for this week, um, when we release our podcast, are for January 27th. January 27th is National Chocolate Cake Day. Ooh, yeah. January 28th is National Kazoo Day. January 29th, National Puzzle Day. January 30th, Croissant Day. January 31st, National Hot Chocolate Day. February 1st, Eat Ice Cream for Breakfast Day. February 2nd is a threefold holiday day, Candlemas, Groundhog Day, and Super Bowl Sunday. Yep, which we know is one of the biggest uh, money-spending holidays in the U.S. Groundhog Day. Yeah. <laughs> Coincidentally, <laughs> yes, Groundhog Day. Uh, I think you meant Super Bowl Sunday, didn't you? Yep. It was the last thing that you said. Yeah. So this year, because Super Bowl Sunday and Groundhog Day coincide, maybe they, people can mix those two together mm-hmm. and have Groundhog Day themed snacks. Right. Or 
you could do predictions based on there you go. <laughs> right. Right. this team will win if Punxsutawney Phil sees his shadow. Or if this team wins, we'll have six more weeks of winter. You could go either way with it. That's, that's true. Right. Yes. I feel like that's the team that you don't want to win. Right. <laughs> so too. No, we want more winter, right? Because we haven't had much of a winter yet. We haven't. Mm-mm. You can always follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at holiday underscore moons. On Instagram, we are at Holiday Moons, and you can find us on Facebook by searching Holiday Moons in the search bar for our Facebook page and our Facebook group. And you can contact us at any time at HolidayMoons at gmail.com. So for Cole, Randy, Sydney, and Beth, Happy Happy Winter! Winter!